Who knows what tomorrow will bring? But for now, I guess all I can say is... Don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> the truth is I'm very guilty. Some little no-nos and maybe treason. But I kept my promise. Oops, no, I didn't. <laughs> Don't cry for us, Argentina. The truth is I barely know him. <laughs> All through our wild days. My mad existence. <laughs> it's just a witch hunt. And we're all witches. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing season 44, episode 7 of SNL with host Claire Foy and musical guest Anderson Pop. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is comedy aficionado and all-around swell dude, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Claire Foy! A quick program note before we jump into the show tonight. Uh, I am sick as a dog. I feel like garbage, and I wish I were in bed. On top of that, my house is overrun with sleep-deprived little snot monsters who need my attention. So my goal for tonight's show is to move very quickly, try and get in and out, and uh, get this thing edited and up so that it's off my plate sooner than later because I need to recover, and I just got way too much that I got to... uh, deal with as far as the the family and all of that good stuff is concerned so for tonight we are not going to dig deep on the sketches we are going to run through them going to have a fun conversation but we are going to try and move quick we're just going to do like a simple yay nay talk about anything that really was noteworthy but for the most part we're we're just going to move it a good clip so that uh i can put this one to bed and then literally get to bed and i'm downwind from you so i want to get this done quick too fair enough okay uh but a little bit of news before we jump in next week jason momoa We'll be hosting with musical guest Mumford and Sons. And then on December 15th, they'll be rounding out their Christmas run with host Matt Damon and musical guest Mark Ronson and Miley Cyrus. Uh, Jason Momoa, he's Aquaman. That is as much insight as I have on the matter. Are you excited about uh, him, Mumford and Sons, Matt Damon, or Mark Ronson and Miley Cyrus? Anything there piquing your interest? Oh, yeah. As a fan of Game of Thrones, I love uh, Jason Momoa. Mumford and Sons, I'm I'm of that age where, you know, I'm the perfect demographic to be fans of those guys. Sure. The uh the festival crowd you'd <laughs> you could call them. Yep, yep. And we love Matt Damon. Uh hopefully Brett Kavanaugh can make the news again to give him something good for uh for December fifteenth. Yes, that would be some serendipity if there was some reason to bring back that character. Yeah. But Miley Cyrus is always great. She's an old friend of the show and I always welcome her back. I'm looking forward to everybody who's due to show up. Yeah. Jason Momoa, he kind of frightens me. Like the only thing that I know about him is the trailer for Aquaman. And he has like a very intense look in that, you know, he's got eyebrows that'll just like pierce your soul. And, uh, you know, he's a stacked dude. So I just get the impression that, uh, he's kind of like this blunt instrument action hero type, but in the past we've had 
you know, the rock we've had, um, John Cena, we've had other people that at first glance, you might assume maybe wouldn't have any range or maybe wouldn't have much they could bring to a comedy show. And sometimes they're a lot of fun. And in doing my research, I came across a little video from some press junket for one of the DC movies where him and Ben Affleck were chatting. And he mentioned that one of his lifelong goals was to do SNL and Ben Affleck, who is personally and professionally connected to the show said, Oh man, we totally could have had you on last year or whatever. So he may have been lobbying a little bit. Like this may actually be something that he's into. And it's not just purely a, Oh, I got a stump for my movie. So I got to do SNL. Uh, this might actually be a little bit more elevated and a little bit more fun because he might actually want to be there. And if that's the case, then it could make for a great show. Um, we haven't had a great show in a little while, so I would be totally ready for a surprise host that, can really bring it kind of like uh Liev Schreiber kind of what we had going on there where there wasn't much expectation we didn't really know what he could bring but then we walked away saying huh you know what not too shabby yeah that's really the only thing that's got me interested here everyone else they're all known quantities we we kind of know what to expect with them um so yeah it, it looks like it's going to be shaping up for a fun December but that's really the wild card that's the one that I'm going to be watching keenly to see what he can bring yeah nice point yeah so we'll uh we'll find out next week ready to jump into the show absolutely Excellent. For our cold open, while in Argentina, Trump ruminates on the Mueller investigation. We get cameos from Fred Armisen and Ben Stiller as Mohammed bin Salman and Michael Cohen, respectively. Yay or nay? Giving it a yay. Yeah? Okay. Love to see Alec back as Trump. And, you know, it's uh, nice that he can make fun of himself a little bit and reference the parking lot incident. Sure. Fun little cameos. And, uh, you know, I love uh, Melania. I love uh, Giuliani. I love those characters whenever they pop up. So I was having fun with this. It's a yay. Okay. Uh, for me, it is a nay. Oh. Yeah. Simply because I think my feeling for almost all of the cold opens so far this season, with a, with a couple exceptions, is that they're just pretty tepid and boring, and they have one or two really solid bits or jokes somewhere in them, but you've got five minutes of just kind of walking through the latest controversies in a very typical and uninspired way surrounding those couple moments of, you know, really fun, juicy material. And that's kind of what I was feeling like with this. I felt like they had a couple fun things. They had the handshake gag that they pulled off really well. And, you know, just a couple other small things, um, playing around with the idea of, um, don't cry for me, Argentina, you know, working that in. So there was a couple things that they were shooting for that were fun, but there was just so much else surrounding it that didn't need to be there that I feel it really weighed it down. And I could have just done with maybe a two minute cold open instead of like a six or eight minute cold open. That that's my feeling. Yeah. A leaner version of this maybe would have been more appropriate. Yeah. Like cut out the first three minutes of it. And I, I think we could have been in better shape. It's just all of that Trump standing there making the quick little one-offs of all of the headlines that people are wondering if they're going to reference. It's like they have to do it. It's obligatory, but they just don't have any fun way to bring that into the conversation of the sketch. So it literally is just him standing there in front of camera, just running through it all. And that, that just feels really heavy to me. Yeah. Let's move on for the monologue. Claire Foy has met the queen. Yay or nay. Yay. Okay. Where Claire uh, Foy, it was not a household name in my household. Uh, this is a perfect uh, monologue for someone in my position. I got to know her a little bit and she won me over. She made me like her. And uh, I love the honesty and sincerity of the monologue. And uh, there were a few jokes there that, uh, 
that she was able to land. So (laughs) it was short and sweet and I thought it was nice. Wow. Okay. Big nay for me. Um, I don't mind it when SNL wants to do the typical, have the host come out and just engage the audience without any gimmicks or theatrics. Like I'm okay with the standard monologue format, but in this case, I feel like she came out and had some good poise and, you know, she seemed competent, um, but she really fumbled the, the big crown jewel of the monologue, that joke with the queen. I didn't feel like that landed at all. Just the way that she hit the, oh, by the way, you know, this was three years before the queen came out. That just seemed like a really clunky way to hit that <laughs> little anecdote. And then it seems like they kind of knew that there really wasn't anything that was getting the audience roused from the monologue content. So they throw in that clapter moment that, Hey, can't we all get on board with the idea that women are like doing stuff in politics. So yay, raw, this is wonderful. Like that was the only moment of the monologue that seemed to get much out of the audience and that felt a little cheap. So I got to say, uh, I didn't walk away feeling like they gave her much to work with or that the story that she brought with her was really, you know, well presented. Well, there wasn't really much to it. I just thought it was simply stated. I don't think it was a matter of too much or too little. Yeah. And and that's fair. Cause a lot of times with a first time host where they aren't larger than life and people aren't expecting some sort of off the wall performance from them, they do try to keep it a little more grounded and not throw the host too many curves. They try to give them something that they actually can get through competently. Uh-huh. I think that's what we were seeing here. I, I just think that they really kind of set the bar low and while for the most part, you know, she got over it. I, I just felt like there was one really <laughs> clunky moment in the middle that uh, just kind of sucked the energy out of it. And I just, I was hoping that she at least had one really solid laugh that made you think, okay, she's got some timing. She's got something that is really going to serve the show. And I didn't feel that at the end of this, but you know, as we move into the sketches, I, I think there's a few other things we can point to that might bode a little better for what she can offer. So why don't we jump into our first pre-tape? Netflix is buying everything. This wasn't really all that new to me. Like I've seen South Park make the same joke. Mm -hmm. The idea that Netflix just says yes to anything. The fact that they don't even let these pitches get completed before they start throwing money at it. Right. So the the whole premise wasn't new to me. And uh, other than, you know, that Family Matters reboot, (laughs) there wasn't a whole lot going on that that really got me over over the edge with it. Yeah, I felt like there was a lot going on here, but not a lot that was really that funny. Yeah. So middle of the road, I'm going to land on a nay on this one as well. That's two nays for that. Moving on, we get our first live sketch of the night on MSNBC's Morning Joe. Recently married Joe and Mika welcome on BBC World's Caddy K to discuss her huge scoop on Trump's Moscow project. What'd you think? Yay or nay? This one's a nay. We've seen this so many times, and this one... Uh, while offering nothing new, felt uh, not quite as tight and a little bit all over the place, Mm -hmm. more so than some of the others. Yep. I wasn't terribly impressed. There wasn't a whole lot of new ground covered here. I thought Melissa turned in a pretty solid performance as representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I feel like that was solid work and uh, another feather in her cap that kind of says, yes, I'm a repertory player now. And look, I can actually craft characters and, and find new impressions and, and new ways to drive forward these sketches. Yeah. That isn't just kind of, you know, the stuff that she came to the show with. Um, so that felt really good, but otherwise there wasn't a whole lot here. Definitely. Yeah. I will say though that Claire Foy did a solid job 
you know, perfectly competent. Her timing was good. Her back and forth was good. Some hosts struggle when you're not actually like looking at the other person that you're playing against and you have a lot of those quick back and forth intercuts where someone's trying to cut you off and you have to kind of react to that and just kind of keep that rhythm going back and forth. Um, that's not the easiest thing to pull off, especially on live TV. And I thought that she handled it really, really well. So I did want to just point out that this was the first time tonight that I was seeing something from Claire Foy that I thought, okay, you know what? There's, there's some capable performance. I'm, I'm okay with this, but the sketch overall, meh. Yeah. I didn't need to see it again. Yeah. All right. We are not coming up with a lot of yays. So uh, (laughs) let's keep plugging forward. See if we can find anything a little more redeemable in the next sketch on PBS's special, the war in words, letters from the trenches. One deeply confused soldier corresponds with his oblivious wife. Yay or nay. I'll give it a yay. Okay. I enjoyed this. I had fun. Uh, More and more questions kept revealing themselves as this went on. And right. You know, we got farther and farther away from a resolution. Right. And uh, I, I love the tension and cringe with this. This was fun for me. Yeah, this is sort of that peeling back the onion. Each layer kind of just gets a little weirder and a little more satisfying as the questions mount and there's just no getting to the bottom of it. She's not going to give him anything that he can work with. That's a lot of fun. So for me, this is a qualified yay. The only thing that I was a little bummed about was that we already saw the sketch on Maya and Marty. This was one of the best things that Mikey did on that short run show. And, uh, as much as it was fun to see it again, uh, I just felt like, is, is there nothing new that we can bring for Claire Foy? Like, are are we really just dusting off (laughs) our tried and true, simple sit at a desk kind of material for this host? Like, can we not have a little more fun with her? Right. So that was the only thing that kind of stuck out as, Hmm, why'd they go this route? It is a solid sketch. It just, it, it just said to me, they wanted material for Claire Foy, where she can do that kind of prim and proper British delivery, but that doesn't say they're willing to get adventurous with her. And that's kind of where, you know, just, it's not quite as satisfying. Uh, I did enjoy it. It's a very strongly written sketch and uh, it's fun that they were able to repurpose it for anyone that didn't get to see it. But as someone who already saw it, I just, I wasn't hoping for a rehash. I was hoping for a fresh sketch that was like a really solid home run this late into the show. You know, we're almost to the first musical guest. And I just don't have anything that I've really been able to sink my teeth into. So uh, that's the only reason why this one didn't really click with me as much as I was hoping it would. See, I didn't catch that version of the sketch. So it was all new to me. That's the difference between our reception of it. I think. Yeah. And that's the nice thing is that anyone who hasn't seen it, hopefully they'll look at this and say, Hey, what a strongly written sketch. You know, it really does flower in a, in a satisfying way. And it really is well-drafted. You can tell that, uh, Mikey and Streeter had, well, a few years to really polish this one up at this point, because it really flows. It really was well thought out. It doesn't feel like the kind of material that they just started drafting Tuesday night. Um, so for that, you know, you gotta give it props as a, as a really smart and well-developed sketch. So yeah, uh, yay, but qualified. Oh, bother. (laughs) Okay. Moving on. We get another pre-tape. A commercial for Dad Christmas. Yay or nay? I thought it was a yay. Okay. I thought it was fun and uh, just like, you know, way too high energy for for the mood of, of these kind of situations. Right. Yeah. I thought it was a fun ride for what it was. Yep. This was the first unqualified yay for me. This is relatable. You know, the truth in it can be easily discerned. So when they do say something that's really poignant and sharp, but it's in the context of this, you know, funny little commercial um 
it resonates. It, it hits, you know, like there's a, a little run in the middle of it where she's singing about how at first the kids kind of like the idea that dad doesn't have any rules, but then after a little while they're like, we kind of need rules. And you know, maybe mom isn't such a bitch. Um, that kind of stuff, that, that's a true experience for a lot of children who, uh, come from split houses or whatever. So yeah, I can see some really clever writing at play here. And I feel like they just mined that topic for some really good material and it showed, I, I feel like end to end, there was just a lot here that was satisfying to bite into. So this was the first thing that I saw tonight that just really had me saying, okay, you know what? That, that was good. That's fresh. That's new. That is really interesting material and well executed. So this was a win. All right. We got one. Cool. Let's look at our musical performances. Anderson Pock performs tints with Kendrick Lamar and Taylor parks. And for his second number, who are you? Yay or nay? Oh, this was yay. I was in a trance the whole time. <laughs> this guy can put on a show. Sure. He clearly rehearses uh, every syllable and movement. This mm-hmm. guy's got such a clean, uh, professional act. And uh, man, he does it without breaking a sweat. Yep. It's amazing to see something so impressive and so, <laughs> you know, so raw, but made to look so easy just from, from hard work and dedication. I think he's earned that extra little period next to his name. Sure. Yes. I'll, I'll give him that little flair. Cause he's earned that. He, he clearly takes his craft seriously. He's a, he's an artist. Yep. Absolutely. Dude's a pro. Uh, his first number in particular was very surprising because we were under the impression that he was maybe just more of a straightforward hip hop artist. So to have him front and center on this grand drum kit, singing the lead at the same time, playing a solid beat, like not just some, you know, simple middle of the road timing that you can easily sing over dude was in the zone, right? Like he was just really on top of that whole performance and it wasn't your typical hip hop, right? Like it did have Kendrick Lamar. So, you know, there was rap in there, but it was pretty much, you know, funk or soul or yeah. you know something in that vein. And, uh, it just, yeah, felt really, really good. <laughs> so crazy good. Yeah, my hot take as I was watching it, I realized that my enjoyment of hip hop is inversely proportional to the number of face tattoos of the performer. Like this guy, Chance the Rapper, and a handful of others that we've seen over the last few years where you can tell that these guys aren't so much about the image as much as they are about really trying to challenge themselves to make some really special and engaging music. And that's what I was feeling here. Like this, yeah. this guy just, he felt like a real pro. So, uh, super high marks for Anderson Pock. Uh, I think he did great. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is one to remember. Before we jump into weekend update, I want to talk a little bit about Patreon. I didn't prepare a script this week, so we're just going to freestyle a little bit and break down kind of the reality of what it takes to put out a podcast like this. So. I don't want to get too preachy and I don't want to get too like pledge drivey, but the reality is it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money to put out the show and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. We, we do have a lot of fun talking SNL and we do love that we're able to put this out for other people to enjoy. And we love that we, you know, we have an audience that, uh, we can interact with and engage, but when it comes right down to it, we also have lives and the time that we put into this is time that's being taken away from other stuff. Steve, I know that your prep time between watching the show a few times through prepping notes and then, you know, all of the fun of trying to get this thing actually recorded with decent quality. Yeah. Uh, it is time consuming. It, it takes, you know, for you, it's a, a solid day that you're setting aside to make sure that 
you can bring your best to the show. And then I'm toiling away, you know, after you deliver your audio for <laughs> another few days, uh, just to try and make it special. And if that's the kind of thing that is worth a buck a month to people, then I would say, Hey, why don't you come on board and show us some love, buy me some coffee. Cause there's a few late nights involved where, <laughs> uh, a coffee would really be appreciated. Um, so for anyone who isn't well aware of kind of what we're offering and what Patreon is, it's a website where you can pledge some monthly support for the show as little as a buck or as much as you would like. And if you do pledge, then we give you some rewards. If you come in at $4 a month, which basically works out to about a buck a show, which seems like a pretty good value to me, we'll give you early access on Monday afternoon when we're done recording. I put out a rough cut, which is a longer version of the show with all the topics that we cut out or pare down. Um, and it, it's just kind of the, the truest, most complete form of the podcast. Yeah. I put that up before the cast is ready to go so that our patrons can listen if they're really champing at the bit to hear what we have to say. They can have it for their commute home on Monday night. Then for everyone else, you know, the, the polished, edited, you know, more compact version of the show usually drops Tuesday night. If I can make it happen, if not, it's early Wednesday. So yeah, if you're someone that really wants the show as soon as possible, that's the best way to do it. Uh, some people have come in at higher levels than that, and we're happy to give them shout outs on the show or uh, a lot of people that pal around in sketch comedy troops or whatever. They like to get some recognition for their show and we're able to do a little bit of promotion for them if they come in at a higher level. So there's lots of opportunities here for a win-win. Yeah. We can provide a good value and put more into the cast and our patrons can get some genuine value for their few bucks a month. It's not even charity. It's we're not. giving you a <laughs> service. We do things for you. We will work hard for every penny that we receive through Patreon. Um, but the cold hard reality is money makes the world go round. If we're going to be able to keep doing this podcast for future seasons, we got to make it self-sustaining. So if anyone appreciates the show, enjoys what we're doing and recognizes the the work and the, just the blood, sweat and tears that we put into it, please, by all means, head over to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast and show us some love. And before we jump back into the show, I want to just give a quick shout out to Peyton from Texas, who is one of our NBC page level patrons. Peyton, thank you very much for your support. Peyton, the page level Patreon. That doesn't sound made up at all. No, no, that's a legit person. One of our, <laughs> one of our very first patrons actually. And even though, um, she's a student, I believe. So I doubt she has, you know, a whole lot of money to <laughs> throw at podcasts. She still felt that it was worth a couple bucks a month to help us out. And I think that that's just awesome. So Peyton, thank you so much. And now let's take a look at weekend update. Let's do it. <laughs> Weekend update for their lead in Jost and Che discuss the latest round of Trump controversy, as well as highlights from the G20 summit. What did you think of the opening salvo this week? Yay or nay? I thought it was a yay for the most part when it came to Colin stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, che uh, was lagging a bit behind. I thought Colin was particularly great. Okay. Yeah. Some of the material was good. It was definitely a saucy week <laughs> okay. for Trump related news. And uh, we got some good stuff uh, from the, the third degree on Cohen right now. And right. Yeah. I just thought they, uh, they got some good stuff out of that and it was, uh, it was a good opening sell. Very good. Now I know that you watched the Hulu version of the show, so you didn't actually see Joe's true performance because he had one of the best jokes of the night and he butchered it terribly and he? for the hulu version they they felt like they had to splice in the dress version because well he got through it it was the joke about how um they're trying to figure out how to add the sense of smell to cell phones and then the the punchline is that you know it turns out that dick pics 
can be even worse than they are now or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He just royally fumbled through that. And at the end of it, he just, you know, he looked at the camera and just kind of shook his head and frowned like, oh, what a loss. <laughs> you know, that was a good <laughs> joke. And, and, uh, I totally butchered it. So the material was good. And generally speaking, you know, Joe does a solid job and he did for the rest of it, but, uh, there definitely was a little bit of fumbling that maybe you didn't see because you weren't watching the live broadcast version. Oh, I was, uh, out of the loop. Yeah. But you know, this is, uh, pretty typical not every joke is going to land and overall i thought that they did a pretty solid job they took the news of the day they made it funny they do what they've been doing all season they there hasn't been a bad jost and che section of weekend update for season 44 as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. the occasional clunker joke but their batting average is exceptionally good so i have nothing bad to say about what they were doing overall um let's take a look at our first feature okay leslie jones is retiring from sex Yay or nay? I'll give it a yay for being average Leslie Jones material. Okay. Which I think is good enough for a yay. Uh, Wasn't her best. Wasn't her worst. Uh, You know, nothing really outstanding to say about it. Uh, The most outstanding thing being her hair. (laughs) Sure. Uh, But yeah, it had some great stuff. Uh, A lot of it is in her delivery and she was definitely high energy tonight. Mm -hmm. And that's all there is. It's, it wasn't uh, anything groundbreaking or another level up from usual Leslie Jones. Okay. I'm going to slightly disagree. It was a yay for me, but I thought that it was a step up from some of her last few outings as Leslie at the desk. She fumbled through a few spots, right? Like it was kind of loose and um, it wasn't the, the best delivery of this material, but she had all the fury and energy that you look for from Leslie. And then some like this was a particularly feisty performance. They tried to, play with the idea, you know, that she's trying to take swings at Che because he's dogging her from across the desk. So, you know, they, they had a few unique bits that they were trying to work in to make it a little more fun. Her back and forth with Jost was really, really good. She had him particularly awkward looking at certain moments where she's trying to put him on the spot. It it felt like really good Leslie material that I just wish that maybe she hadn't stumbled over as much as she did, because then I could look at it and say, yes, this is a unequivocal win rather than saying that, uh, it won me over in spite of some of the, you know, stumbles. Um, but I just felt like the energy can't be denied. I I was genuinely laughing at several points throughout this performance, just because of, you know, how brash and honest and just fun. She can make that material. Okay. Two yays. Cool. For our next feature, Beck Bennett as free thinking economist Jules, who sees things a little differently. Yay or nay? Uh, yay. And, uh, you know, if he pushed that character any further in, in how hateable he was, sure. Like he was right on that line where it goes back to nay for being just too much to handle. Right. And, uh, you know, it's brilliant because it's not very often you see a, a character show up that you know, they have to actually kick off because they're so, so awful. Right. And that's what I loved about this, uh, trust fund jerkwad (laughs) who's clearly never experienced a consequence in his 30 odd years of life. Uh, yeah, I, I give it a yay just because uh, I had fun hating on jewels. Uh, yeah, I got to respect Beck's ability to embody this character and just sell the horribleness (laughs) horribleness <laughs> yeah of this kid that's never heard the word no or you know had any uh structure or discipline placed upon him <laughs> he, he doesn't get why you know people are so preoccupied with keeping a roof over their head um 
I really like that they wrote in the reveal of his dad being, you know, a rich pharmaceutical guy uh, who invented Oxycontin. So you wonder if maybe that seeped into the water at their house or something <laughs> like um, it's more affluenza, I think. Yeah. But just the idea that, uh, yes, he isn't naturally a free thinking guy who just sees things differently because that's just who he is. No, no. This was nurtured into him by indulgent parents that, uh, yeah, just did everything wrong. Yep. <laughs> now there's this, you know, utterly useless little dandy <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> you know, is just so insipid that you can't stand to be around him or hear his voice for more than a minute. Um, I like also that Jost had to like push him away because he's totally oblivious to how he's coming across or that, uh, he's just totally turned off his audience. Um, yeah, a lot here to like, I, th- I think Beck, uh, really did a great job with the material. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, to round out Weekend Update, they do a tribute to George Herbert Walker Bush, and then we are into the back half of the show. We start off with a live sketch. Charlie Bucket's family deals with the awkwardness of two married couples living in a single bed. Yay or nay? I'm going to give it a nay just because, you know, while I did enjoy the cringe factor of it in kind of witnessing this weird tantric old person orgy. (laughs) Sure. uh, Yeah, I didn't know where they were going to go with it and it turns out they didn't really go anywhere beyond what i was watching right uh yeah it was a bit confusing and i don't know it it felt like they pretty much got cut in half Mm -hmm. uh, from its original version yeah very well could be uh i think you were right to point that out that it didn't feel like it went anywhere satisfying um this was a fun idea that was just really awkwardly presented and didn't have anything satisfying to round it out fun starting point but everything about how they staged it the the weird camera angles where they're trying to get the side of Kyle Mooney's head to show that they're doing some sort of like S&M stuff just off screen like they were trying to find that shot and it didn't quite play properly because you don't really see Kyle at the right time or yeah understand what they're trying to establish and then they're trying to like bring the walls down with chunks of plaster or whatever but it's all happening kind of off screen and so you're only getting a hint of um how dramatic the bed shaking is supposed to be and then you've just got the bed being really loud in the mix and kind of drowning out all the the one-line jokes so there was just a, a whole lot of awkward production stuff that was also dragging down a sketch that really didn't have anywhere to go after you established that one main joke. So yeah, I can't call it a win fun. Yeah. I was amused, but this definitely wasn't, you know, what you'd call a solid or well-realized sketch. Yeah. That's uh that's fully agreed over here. Cool. Let's take a look at our next live sketch. The home shopping network welcomes on Tamara and her teeny adorables. Yay or nay. I suppose we'll give it a yay just because it didn't aim too high. And, uh, for a not too ambitious sketch, they were able to hit what they were trying to aim for. You know, it was a relatable kind of what if. Uh, we've all had that brain fart that we end up beating ourselves up over. Sure. Yeah, it could happen on live television one day. Yeah, so it was it was fun and uh, it was a interesting concept that they they were able to have some fun with. All right. Uh, this is a nay for me. I felt like... There was no real rationale given as to why she was so hard on herself and like why she was so over the top with just, you know, cursing and self-flagellation. It seemed like there was more to the story. And I think they were kind of hinting at it with the mom character. It seems like maybe 
um, the backstory here is that the mom just sort of like browbeat her growing up and just sapped her of all of her, you know, dignity. So the second she has any kind of problem in life, she just immediately, you know, breaks down and into this state. Um, I thought maybe they were shooting at something there, but it wasn't really well established. And the mom didn't come out till a lot later in the sketch. So what you end up with is like just a couple minutes of Cecily just cursing and just breaking down without a whole lot of context. And because of that, it just sort of played as crass for crass sake. Like, are we just supposed to be laughing at how crass she's being and how much they're kind of pushing the line as far as the expletives and just the, the bizarre epithets that they're coming up with. Was that the joke or, you know, were were they trying to make it a little smarter uh, and say something about the mom character? I don't really know, but because I don't know, and because it felt muddy to me, it just playing as crass for crass sake wasn't satisfying. I just, I don't need to see Cecily doing that. So this wasn't a lot of fun for me. I thought Keenan and Claire both did great. And, you know, Cecily, she does good with what she's given. I just, I felt like the material was just kind of obnoxious. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, Yeah, but you know, what else do we need to say about that? Uh, let's move on to Staten Island Cables. Good morning, Guma. This is our last live sketch of the night. What did we think? Yay or nay? I can give this one a yay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really fun. You know, we are all aware of the Guma concept. We've seen Goodfellas. Right. I was pretty impressed by Claire Foy throwing out that accent. Right. It was uh, pretty spot on. And uh, yeah, the references to Goodfellas was just palpable. Mm-hmm. The the hairstyles were directly from that movie and from the Gumas themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the dialogue was as well. As a fan of those gangster movies, this was... Uh, this was a fun romp. Yep. Agreed. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it too. Uh, for all the same reasons, I thought they took it into some fun places and there was just a lot of tropes and truth that they played up. Uh, the idea that these women are kind of fronting and just keeping up appearances when really they're very desperate and kind of broken inside. And you kind of see that bubbling up, uh, at certain moments throughout it. But for the most part, they're talking about how, you know, they just know how to smoothly ride through all of the ups and downs of being a guma. So there was, there was a lot of fun ideas in this. And I thought they did a really good job. Like you said, Claire Foy did a surprisingly good job with the material. Um, this is probably as good a time as any to maybe talk a little bit just about what we ended up getting from her. Cause this is sort of the last thing she did for the night for my two cents, you know, out of the gate, I felt that the monologue didn't make me feel confident in her as a host, but everything that she did tonight, as much as I didn't think really any of the material was fantastic. I can't fault anything that she did with it. They didn't get adventurous with her. They didn't put her in roles that really maybe could have been super challenging, but everything that they did give her, I thought she handled with aplomb. I thought she did really, really good and some surprisingly good character work with some surprisingly good timing. So that's kind of my final word on her as a host. What'd you think? I felt the exact same way. Yeah. And yeah, this last sketch is a great example. Yeah. She definitely felt like a cast member in moments like this. Uh, She held her own next to Kate very well. That's impressive from a first time host, from someone that wasn't really on my radar where I don't watch the crown. Mm -hmm. It was very pleasant to watch her win me over. Yep. Very good. Yeah. uh, I thought she did surprisingly well. Now for our 10 to one, we get a performance, a holiday message from the women of SNL. So what'd you make of this? Cause this is not typically how we round out a show. Yep. Just uh, another Political message done to song on the, on the main stage there. We've seen it a couple of times. It seems that when they really want to drive home a uh, political point, they uh, turn to uh, the women of SNL to break out in the song. Sure. And I can't say I overly care for it. Mm, okay. 
maybe it's the preachiness of it. Maybe it's taking the, uh, I don't want to say the left leaning point. I mean, it's a very sensible sure. <laughs> point of view to have, uh, but it definitely does operate on the assumption that their whole audience already believes what they believe. Right. It's hard to swallow something that you know is a polarized uh, issue right. in the real world. Mm-hmm. So for that, it kind of doesn't really play uh, too well to someone like me. Okay. But yeah. What do you have to say? <laughs> uh, no, I think you, you were touching on kind of the same things that I was picking up on. Um, we had a lot of anti-Trump stuff in the show, which is fine. If there's something to say, great, say it. But this is the third big tent pole uh, where they felt that they had to say basically the same thing about Trump. You know, he's a criminal. We're all rooting for Mueller, whatever. Like if that's the show's perspective, great. But did we really need to give this much time to what was not a terribly clever song to bring out that idea? Um, like it was kind of fun for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. It is fun to see them all up there doing this performance live. It is nice to see the whole ensemble of ladies kind of all chiming in and doing their part. And 80 in particular, when she starts singing, she manages to make it funny in a, in a really quirky way. So she actually got a couple laughs just because of how she like tries to deliver it with a little bit more like diva belt. So it, it had a few little things that, that were intriguing at the outset, but I didn't want to see it. I wanted to see something fun and accessible and, uh, yeah, just something that wasn't going to be divisive or that I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, well, what's the other half of the country think of this? Yeah. So anyways, it, it just wasn't what I wanted to see for the 10 to 1. Nope. Cool. Well, that's our rundown. Who want to talk moment of the night? Uh, my moment of the night is the uh, little secret handshake. Sure. Uh, between uh, Mohammed bin Salman and uh, Putin. Mm-hmm. For a couple of reasons. It's nice to see Fred Armisen show up mm-hmm. and uh, it's nice to see that level of commitment to something that's, you know, just a few seconds of live TV. You know, they had to work that out and choreograph it and make sure they, they knew the steps. Right. That was a fun little flair to the cold open that stuck with me. Yep. Uh, it was definitely the highlight of the cold open. And if they had built a nice tight cold open just around that moment, I'd be saying, great guys, look at, you know, some restraint, you found the funny and you just, you know, brought that out. That was the moment that I was thinking could have been a really inspired cold open if it just didn't have so much more bloat around it. Yeah. Um, but yes, if we're going to single out one fun moment in the cold open, that was definitely it. Uh, I'm going with just Anderson Pock coming out with his first number and blowing my hair back. Yeah. What he was doing was stunningly good. We both play drums to uh, you know, varying degrees of proficiency, but I, I think we can both respect that what he was doing was not easy. He was super focused, super tight and providing a vocal performance, not just a background vocal performance, but just driving that song forward, both melodically and percussively. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta respect what it takes to to pull that off. And it surprised me. And it was the most engaged I was with the whole show. Absolutely. The last band I was in wanted me to sing back up here and there. And I always talked my way out of it because <laughs> yep. it is really tough. It really is. And especially if you're going to be in the pocket like that, doing fills and pretty impressive rapping. Yeah. That's a whole other level. That's uh mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really cool to see. Yeah. All right. Good enough. Uh, let's take a look at our best sketch. What do you got? You know, I think our best sketch might've been uh, the war in words. Mm-hmm. This is the sketch I had the most fun with. This is the sketch that I thought took more risks than others. And uh, it's not the greatest sketch in the world, but you know, this isn't the greatest episode in the world. So right. 
Yeah, I think it's my sketch of the night. Yeah, it's my sketch of the night too. When you've had a couple of years to let uh, a sketch kind of bake and you, you know, you, you dust it off and you take another run at it and you polish up the writing and you just tighten it up and you just find a little bit more funny in it and you're not inventing it on the fly the week that you got to be getting it on air, it does improve the sketch. You know, like it, it really felt like this was as good as the sketch could ever get. Yeah. Yeah. So good dialogue. Well-realized everything about it was really, really good. All right. There we have it. Cool. MVP. I think I'll give it to Claire Foy. Okay. And sure. It it wasn't anything mind blowing that she brought, but for a first timer, that's not really a comedic actress. Primarily. I thought she was a perfectly competent host and she can only go up from there, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. I got to give her props for, for doing so well. Uh, yeah, you, you stole my thunder. I thought I was going to have a really clever thing to say here, but you just said it. Everything she was in, she was super competent with. And the only reason why it doesn't seem like she brought anything to the show was because the show didn't bring anything to her. She wasn't the weak factor in any of the sketches. It was just what she was handed. Yeah. She didn't fumble anything. Her characters were all well-realized. She had some solid accent work and just genuine, like comedic looks and a certain physicality, uh, about her roles that felt totally right for SNL. So she was getting a lot of things right without really any advantage this week. And I wish they'd given her a better show. Uh, Sometimes it just doesn't come together. And, uh, I don't know if that was just the show needlessly playing safe or just, you know, the creative well runs dry from time to time, but yeah, she didn't get a fair shake. I hope they have her back and really do something stunning with her. Yeah. Looks like she gets the crown for MVP. (laughs) All right. I'm going to leave that in. You earned it (laughs) on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? I'll give it a week. Yep. Uh, no need to elaborate. I think we covered it all. I'm going with week two. Yeah. There just really wasn't a whole lot working here and it's a shame because it, it does seem like we're in a bit of a slump and, uh, I just hope it's not a trend. Really hope that they're able to pick it up next week and do something fun with uh, Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> That's all I got. You got anything else you want to say? No, not gonna do it. All right. That's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Aaron and Trader, Jonathan Jordan, and Kalen Pope. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Jason Momoa and musical guest Mumford & Sons. But until then, this has been episode number 63 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow. It's been such a pleasure, and thank you so, 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 so much for watching. I absolutely loved it. I feel very, very lucky.
James. As requested, here is a photograph I had taken this afternoon. Please send back the other one, if you can pry it away from your army friends, that is. Hee hee. Love, Margaret. Again, my love, nobody finds your childhood photo arousing. And as for this current photograph, who is this gentleman you are with? He looks to have made himself very comfortable in our home. And why is he wearing my hat? Perhaps you would like to give him my pocket watch as well. Answers, please, your husband, James. Dear James, Henry here. I cannot thank you enough for the pocket watch. I love it. 